Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It does feel like we are getting back into the swing of things. It's feel, uh, 24 has 2024 has officially started. And I, I love getting back into rhythm, routine. And is anybody like a routine person? You just do better with routine. No, most of you are not. Okay, that's all right. No, no problem. But uh, I do. I, I love rhythm. I love routine. It's going to be a great year uh, at, at Bright Church. I'm believing that God is going to do amazing things. There's so many things that, that I can see are on the horizon, things that I know that the Lord is going to do. And, uh, you know, one of those things that we're really believing for this year is to get a church building. Wouldn't that be great? And so uh, there's been some updates. Gosh, it's a saga, a never-ending saga of events that unfold. And I keep saying to this church, hey, guys, keep praying. You must think like, why? What, 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 what's going on? You know, but I'll tell you the truth. Um, every time we pray, we break through. And there's no way we'd be here now if we didn't have the press uh, uh, that everyone has been praying up to this point right now. So um, we need to have a, a, a meeting and talk about this because we have a final date this is the final, final date uh, of February 14. And uh, yes, that's right. And the Lord loves us. And uh, happy Valentine's Day, Bright Church. And, uh, and so that's the final date that we have. And after that, nothing will happen if it hasn't moved before that. So we're going to have a special meeting Thursday night, 7.30 at, here at Bright Church, uh, I'm going to tell you absolutely everything. I'll give you the, all the details. And I feel like the Lord has brought us to this place. And so often when, the God, when God opens a door, uh, we still have to walk through that door. And, and that's going to require something from us as a church. And so I'm, I'm all in. I can't wait. I'm excited about our future, but I want to tell you what that means. And so if you can be here, if, only if you're interested in finding out about the, the building <laughs> and the church, uh, the future of uh, where we can move to, then be here 7.30 this Thursday night. We'll give you all the details and I can't wait for that. Today is Vision Sunday. Today we're talking about presence. That's the theme of 2024. It's about the presence of God. And I, I love the presence of God. I, I would suggest and, and encourage you this year, seek God's presence. Just, just go after the presence of God. And I believe that if you do, the Lord will transform you. The Bible actually says that. If you seek Him and you behold Him, you will be transformed by just looking at Him. And I'd encourage you to do that this year. Uh, you know, if you do that, the Lord, if you seek Him and you go after Him and you're hungry, uh, the Lord makes us a promise. He actually said it to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. I want to read it to you. Jeremiah 29 verse 13. He said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Seeking the Lord with all of our heart is the key to get access into His presence because He responds to us when we seek Him with all of our heart. I don't know if you've ever played the game hide and seek. I reckon 100% of the people in this room have played that game. I played that game. I, play, I used to play that with my kids. And, you know, I remember playing in the house. We didn't even have a big house. We, you know, the kids would go and hide in the house and I'd have to go and find them. And if you're a good dad, you never find them in the first five minutes. 
You know, if you've, if you've played this game before, you get close, you're around them. You might even move things that are touching them, but you do not find them. For 10 minutes, you have to look around and they're getting very excited. You know, oh, he's nearly got me. But, but I remember I was playing this game uh, once with the kids and I, I found two of my kids, but my daughter, Eliana, I just couldn't find her. She was, I, I didn't know where she was. And so it starts off as fun and games. And after about 10 minutes, I'm thinking, well, I know I like to get close, but I don't even feel like I've done that. And so I'm searching for it, can't find her anywhere, you know. And after, it must have been maybe half an hour, 40 minutes, right? I've been looking for a while and I started to get worried. And I thought, did we leave the door open? You know, as she wandered out into the streets, I'm about to call Triple O and say, I've lost my kids. We played hide and seek. I never found them. You know, I, I, don't, I didn't know. What, what am I going to do? And, and so we got to this point. I started walking through the house and I'm, I'm, I'm calling out, Eliana, where, you know, where are you? And eventually she emerges. And I was truly surprised. Like I I did not find us. The first time they've ever actually won the game. And, and, I, and I, said, I, I said, where were you? And she took me and she, into the laundry. She goes, I was hiding right in that spot. And I was thinking to myself, I came into this room like three or four times. But here's what I did. I looked at that spot and I thought to myself, there's no way a human being will fit into that gap. There's no way someone would fit. So I just labeled that as impossible and I never really truly looked. And you know what? We sometimes can do that with situations, circumstances. I think we can absolutely do it when it comes to our relationship with God. Sometimes we're seeking Him, but we think something is so impossible or He wouldn't be found there or He wouldn't be found doing that. And we go, nah, there's no way God's in it. And we label the situation and never truly look deeply into that to find the beauty of who God is. I want to be a people that are after the presence of God. And I think that sometimes we, we want to make sure that we don't mislabel things. And uh, the moment you mislabel it, you'll only search where you think it's possible that God is. And He could be outside of that space. And so like I said, we could do it with our faith. People have done it over the years. And I want to read to you a, a story, a biblical account of a guy who was an absolute expert at knowing everything about God. And even though he was an expert at all things God, he completely missed God. And this guy, he, he says, he talks about himself. And he's not trying to do a genuine flex. He's saying, this is who I am. He says, you know, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, you know, as to the law, righteous. You know, he says all of these things. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. But before he became the Apostle Paul, he was Saul, thought he knew everything, but he hadn't actually encountered the presence of God. So I want to read it to you out of Acts chapter 22, verse 6. He says, as I was on my way and drew near to Damascus to kill some Christians. I'm going to add that part in there for you. That's how much he didn't know the Lord. He was trying to kill the Lord's people. He says, About noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, it's interesting because the people that were being persecuted was God's church. It was Christians. And I just suddenly realized as I was reading this, how much Jesus really does consider us to be part of his body. It's like when the church is being persecuted, Jesus feels it. He said, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, I answered, who are you, Lord? This guy, this expert on all things God is come face to face with Jesus. And he says, who are you? He had no idea. And he said to me, 
I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. How did the Apostle Paul not know that Jesus was the Lord? How did he miss the Messiah for all of his education? This guy is meant to be an expert and I think I know the problem. He had put his faith in a box and he said, there's no way God would ever move outside of the boundaries that I can see. And because of that, he completely missed him. People do it all the time. This is the title of my message. If you put God in a box, have you put God in a box? A lot of people might be saying no, but it's happened before. It could happen again. When we put God in a box, it's where we put boundaries around what we think God might say, what we think God might do, what we think God might be in. And when we see sometimes a move of God or, or the presence of God moving on something, we say, oh, I don't know if that's God, maybe because of the boundaries or the box that we've actually placed God in. The philosopher Alvin Plantinga, he said this, when it comes to the testing of miracles, like are miracles real? Do we really believe in them? He said, when it comes to the testing of miracles, he said, it's like the drunk man who lost his keys in the dark and, and only looks for them under the streetlight because the light there is better. He would say, my keys must be in this place because I can see here and I can't see there. And that's the problem sometimes for people that are searching for God in only what they choose to see is that they might miss where God is. And imagine if God was doing a whole heap of things around the world and on the earth. Imagine if He wanted to do things in your life, but because we only look in a certain little space, we start to miss what God really wanted to do. Scientists have searched for God and they normally, when they, you know, atheist scientists, when they search for God, they, they look for natural causes in everything. The way that they do their scientific research would be in such a way that it means that they can't ever really find God. But they have been surprised before. And there has been many a scientist who has come to the Lord because they have looked so deep, they realize it's an absolute impossibility for evolution. It's an absolute impossibility for the start of the universe. And, and, and they've been convinced experts to put God in a box get convinced all the time. I have been standing in hospitals where God has done something absolutely miraculous and they look at the situation and they said, we don't know what you're doing, but whatever it is, keep doing that because whatever it is, it's working. And the thing that's working is God. And, and, and they refuse to use the G word, maybe because they get criticised by their colleagues, I don't know, but they wouldn't use that word. But they're saying, whatever it is, you say it's God. I don't know, but whatever it is, keep doing it because it's working. And I tell you, people have been convinced before. People have been surprised before. Doctors have been surprised. Scientists have been surprised. But here is the most amazing thing. Even religious people have been surprised. Because one of the things that I've understood after being in church for a little while is that people tend to put God in a religious box just like everyone else. And sometimes the box that they put him in is, is really just entrenched in culture and tradition. And because they refuse to look outside of that, they actually miss what God might be wanting to do. I remember years ago, I had someone come to me and they said, hey, uh, Pastor Ben, I want to speak to you just about altar calls. I said, okay. If you're new to church, when we say altar calls, where we give somebody the opportunity to give their life to Jesus. And we do that in every service because that's such an important part of church is connecting people to God. 
And so they said, I want to speak to you about how this is facilitated. I said, okay. They said, if you want to do it the real way, the true way, the way that you do it is they must stand up before the church and then they must march their way to the front and they must do it right here at the front of the church. They call this the altar. They must do it right here in this space. That's the proper way to lead someone to Jesus. And I thought, oh my gosh. For the first 300 years, the church didn't even have a building. <laughs> what were we doing? For 300 years, no one got saved at church because church was actually a group of people, but we had no altar. And guys, if there's no altar, no one's getting to the Lord. It must be done in a church. It must be done at the altar. If you read the Septuagint, which I can't because it's all in Greek, but, but, but I read an English version that's translated. But if you look in the Septuagint, you will see that the word altar is used 420 times and it actually means sacrifice, not salvation. When we invite people to the front, where I understand the connection that this is the place of sacrifice. We lay down our lives before God. But can I just suggest to you that people can get saved outside of the church and they don't need to be at an altar and it doesn't need to be with some beautiful soft keys and invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to move. It can happen wherever you are. People can encounter God wherever they are. Just a little thing that I, that I think. It's weird how what happens sometimes is the church culture and tradition becomes something that we think is absolutely biblical, but it's not. I had another person come to me and they said, Pastor Ben, you can't wear hats in church. Did you know that? I said, I did not know that. I wasn't aware. You can't wear hats in church. And why is that? I have no idea. I do see a hat in this church today. I just like, you know, I, I want you to know that you're more than welcome to continue to be part of the rest of the service. Stop looking for the person with a hat. <laughs> Everyone's like, who is it? <clears throat> There's one there, there's one over there, there's one over there. You've done yours backwards, well done. <clears throat> Why can't you wear hats? It's because when the Lord looks down, He goes, if, I, if He just removed His hat, I would know who was praying. You know, it's like, what do we think the Lord doesn't know? Like, well, so what's okay? Is it okay for you to wear a hat, but not me? Not up here, but down there it's okay. I don't know, there's a lot of rules that I just don't know about. Can I suggest to you, it's perfectly okay to wear a, a hat in church. You know, if you go to synagogue, they'll make you wear one. And then you come to the Christian church and say, you've got to take it off. We just can't keep up. It's hard to keep up with all the rules that we have sometimes. It's a lot of rules. It's funny how some people, some people get caught up on hats. I had one person that came to me, God bless her. She said to me, listen, I, I really love the church, but I get a little bit concerned about when I see dark paint on the wall. I said, why? What? what? Yeah, it's, it's so the light doesn't bounce off all the walls, you know, and, and yes, what do you mean you get concerned about dark paint? We've got people that are listening to the Word of God being preached, standing in the presence of God, and they're like, I don't know about that paint, you know. <laughs> I felt okay, but then you, you put up monument, we just can't even worship in this place now, it's terrible, right? And I just think this is wild. But here's the thing, people will take stuff like that, and they'll straw it draw conclusions and they'll look at very religious things. You know what? They, they, they think it's religious. Do you know what it is? That's just rules that people make up for church. That's just man-made rules to enjoy the presence of God. Right? Now, I'm going to suggest to you that those man-made rules are really at the heart of what we call religion. And I don't want any of it. So I want to read to you something that Jesus said. When he said it, he was quoting Isaiah, 
And when Isaiah said it, he was quoting God. We've come full circle. He says this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 to 9. These people honor me with their lips. They're saying the right words, but their heart is far from me. Which is interesting because that's the one thing he said. If you seek me with all your heart, that's where you'll find me. He says, in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrine, which is correct belief about God, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Wouldn't that be sad if we were so focused on making sure we tweak all of the commandments of men that we lose the presence of the Spirit? But as long as it looks right, as long as the paint is white, as, as, as long as we're not wearing hats, as long as every altar call is done at the front of church, we'd be satisfied with And the sad part is some people would be satisfied with that. And yet the presence of God hasn't filled them, maybe hasn't touched their life. I, I just think we don't want to get caught up in this stuff. I, I've got to be honest with you guys. I'm a pastor of a church. I don't swing smoke. I don't wear a collar. Uh, oh, we, we have smoke, by the way. I, I just don't swing it. Right? I, I, I don't pray to the saints. I've never prayed to Mary. I've ne- I don't even, honestly, I get a little bit confused sometimes because when I read the Word of God and, he, and the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. He said, my Father who art in heaven. And I'm like, if that's the lesson that Jesus gave, why are we trying to reroute it through his mum? It doesn't make sense to me. Poor Mary, she's got a barrage of prayers coming at her. She's like, not nah, can't answer it, not to know what to do with that. Jesus, what do I do with all of this stuff? She's like, when they read your word, did they not understand that they could go direct to you? Why are they even speaking to me? Some poor saints are going, I can't listen to this. Oh, I can't even answer it. You know, God is the one who answers prayers. And if we just read His Word and follow what this is, instead of being entrenched in culture and tradition, maybe we really will find the presence of God and not be satisfied with the culture of church. Does this, does this make sense? Man, I think we've got to get, you know what? I might wear a hat one day. Next week, just be prepared if I wear a hat. Who knows? Let's get wild. <laughs> you know, yeah, people are putting hats on everywhere. You weren't even wearing one before. No, that's not true. That's not true. I guess everyone's getting real comfortable. Well, good. Hilarious. You know, the box of religion has caused people to miss out on the presence of God. Because they said God could only operate in this space. And they tend to get a little bit picky and they get a little bit funny and they get a little bit critical at times. Last year, there was a great revival um, at a university in Asbury. It was over in the United States. And people were coming and like laying their lives down at the altar in the proper way. Um, and <laughs> there was revival breaking out. People had given their lives to Jesus. The word was being preached. Amazing things were happening all over the place. The line to get into church was just out the door. One of my dreams, out the door. You know, people were like, let us in, let us in. And I see a move of God like that. And I think, man, that's so amazing. The presence of God was clearly touching people in that place, right? And then you had people in the Christian community that were so critical of that. And they're like, well, where's the long-term fruit? I'm like, it's a current revival. Like the long-term fruit, talk about trying to find a hole. Like, 
There's no way that they could show you long-term fruit. It's happening now. Other people were saying, well, I don't know if it's the real thing. If it's the real thing, then there should be a spirit of holiness. Yeah, there was. People were giving up stuff and laying things down and handing things in, right? But, but it's amazing to me that when there's an act of God, which is the coming of the presence of God, which is the very thing that we should be hungry for, there were people that looked at it and said, no, nah, I don't think so. I don't like it. Why? Because in some way it made them feel a little bit uncomfortable that's just getting really religious isn't it and and you know I don't know about you but I don't want religion I'm not interested in it and I'll tell you something else the next generation of disciples that are coming through the generation of young people that are getting uh, saved right now and coming into the church they're not looking for religion they want the real thing they want the actual presence of God and and here's another thing as a church we better actually have the presence of God and not rules and regulations and religion because if that's all we've got to give to the next generation I tell you it will not last long they're not interested in just keeping rules. They don't want a church that's committed to culture and tradition. They want a church that's immersed in the presence. And to be honest, so do I. That's what I want. When I come to church, right, I stand in this place. I want the presence of God. I'm not doing this because it's a job. I'm not doing this because I'm expected to show up. I'm doing this because I want the presence of God. I'm hungry for it. And I know that we have a church that feels just like that. We all want to be immersed in the presence of God. Here's what Jesus said. John chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers, there must be some fakes out there. The true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So we still need to worship Him in truth. We still need to know who He is. We don't throw away discernment, but He says, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. He says, God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Sometimes people confuse truth for tradition. Truth for tradition. They say, oh, this is how it's always been done and that's the correct way to worship. When really... That's just something that's symptomatic of the culture that they live in. That's just something that belongs to the 90s. You know, things change. We sing different songs in the 90s and the noughties. Fashion has changed. That's different. You know, in the 90s, everyone wore wide pants. And then in the noughties, it was different. And then now they're coming back, you know. And, and, and I'm saying things continue to change. But you know what? At the end of the day... The grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of God stands forever. That's the thing that we should be interested in, not cultural trends. Not just looking at well, what's the flavor of the month right now, but actually reading the Word of God and saying, what is in this thing? Because boundaries cause blindness. And sometimes what we need to do, we don't want to be blind to what God is doing because we think, oh, He would never do that. He'd only operate in this space. Sometimes what we've got to have is a little bit of openness to what God wants to do. You know, there would be people that think the Holy Spirit only falls when you play the organ. Well, we don't even have one. So I don't know what we've been doing for a number of years. The keys work just fine, everybody. But we don't want to be entrenched in that. And I'm telling you, this is stuff that people would feel, stuff that people would believe. And I'm, I, I understand that both non-Christians and or the irreligious and the religious, sometimes fail to connect to the presence of God because of their absolute clarity over where He is and what He would do. And in the middle of their absolute clarity, they find themselves completely blind to the next move of God. 
to, to what he's doing because they just can't see it. They just don't think it would work that way. Oh, this has been happening for a long time, a long time. You know, when Jesus actually came to, to, you know, from heaven to earth, the Messiah had come. There was a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was the teacher of Israel, says it in there. And Jesus, he met with Jesus by night. I guess he didn't want to be caught by the other Pharisees. And he comes to Jesus and he's trying to get some of the things that Jesus is teaching. And Jesus says, you must be born again. And Nicodemus says, born again, born again. He's thinking, how do I do that? He goes, are you thinking that, so what you're saying is we, should, we need to crawl back into our mother's womb. You know, is this what you mean, Jesus? Right? Like, boy, did his mind have boundaries, right? He's thinking, surely he's just thinking physical. <laughs> Nicodemus didn't even think for a moment that he was talking spiritual. He's like, how would we do that? And Jesus says, are you joking me? He said, you're meant to be the teacher of Israel. You don't understand that you need to be spiritually reborn. And Nicodemus had just missed the entire thing. Isn't that fascinating that he, that, that he just missed it? You know, the Sanhedrin, when Jesus came and he stood at his trial, the whole Sanhedrin, the religious board, you know, the board that had given the, the task of maintaining, maintaining all things to do with God and the, the, the very group of people that were so well educated in the scriptures that they were to keep an eye out for the Messiah. So when the presence of God would come, they would actually know about it. And when Jesus was standing before him, they said, who are you? If you are the Messiah, tell us. And they didn't even think he was. They just wanted him to say it so they could kill him for it which they did. Here is God in front of them. The very presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And they still didn't know. Paul the Apostle, same thing. Here he is. What did he say? He said, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews of the tribe of Benjamin. You know, he said he was zealous for the things of God. He, he, he talks about being as to the law. He was righteous and, and for all of his accolades and all the amazing things that he had and, and, and studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Guys, Gamaliel, you know, like he was, he was a, what a teacher he was, right? And for all of the education and for all of the intellect and all of the wisdom, he missed God in front of him. And the Christians were talking about Jesus, the Messiah, and yet he missed the entire thing. Why? He'd put God in a box. How could God possibly become flesh? I'll tell you what, if, God was gonna, if there was going to be a move of God, it certainly wouldn't look like Jesus. But he was wrong. And sometimes what happens is people say, well, I'm certain that that wouldn't be God, but they can be wrong. It's happened before. It could happen again because sometimes great clarity is just entrenched culture. And when things in church make people a little bit uncomfortable, then they say, oh, I don't know if that's God. That's just your comfort. Well, I, I do like people being comfortable to a certain extent. It's going to be 36 degrees today. What a hot day. You're sitting in some beautiful air conditioning though right now, aren't you? Oh, they didn't have that in the Bible, did they? <laughs> what, how can we possibly worship with air conditioning being on? Let's get back to, you know. <laughs> I don't mind people being comfortable. We do. We have coffee before the service. Make sure you grab one on your way in so you're full of life, ready to praise, you know, all of that. I, I don't mind people being comfortable. Cushions are pretty comfortable, aren't they? You, you, 
Yeah, okay, so the, the seats are kind of comfortable. It's not hard plastic. I don't mind you being a little bit comfortable when it comes to these things, but can I just tell you that the goal of church and what we're trying to do here at this place is to not make you completely comfortable, but to transform you into the person so you can be like Jesus Christ. Like the goal is transformation and sometimes transformation is an uncomfortable process. And if every time you get something uncomfortable happening in church and you say, well, if it makes me uncomfortable, there's no way that that's God, you might miss out on some stuff. There is some stuff in the Bible that no doubt makes people uncomfortable. The Bible says when you're baptised in the Holy Spirit, you, you speak in tongues. When the early church fathers were writing doctrine, when they were writing doctrines, they were saying, and all of the creeds, they wrote in the direction that Scripture points. And I can take you there, but we don't have time for it, that it points to if you are baptised in the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues. Man, tongues make some people uncomfortable, but there it is. What are you going to do with it? Every time some, if every time something makes you uncomfortable, could it be that the thing that God really wants to do in you is completely somehow circumvented because you say, oh, it must be under the streetlight because this is all I choose to see. Man, imagine that. We don't ever want to get into a situation where we're choosing comfort over the things of God. I had a great chat with a guy in our church recently. Very nice man, is a little bit older, grown up in church his whole life. And as we were talking, he, he said to me, oh, look, I, I do prefer some of the older songs. And I'm like, I, I, I have heard that before. Um, you know, it does, it does happen because we get comfortable in a certain maybe age or era. And, you know, maybe there was a real move of God in that era for us. And so we get comfortable with what was being sung and what was being said and what's culturally relevant at that time. And he said, I do prefer some of the older songs. I said, oh, yeah, I said, I know, I, I get it, you know. And, and uh, so we do want to reach everyone and, and you know, we want to keep things fresh. And we talked about that. He, he said to me, no, 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 but here's the thing. God told me if I didn't get into, that, in, into this, I was just going to miss out. <laughs> and he said, so I'll, I'll just get into it. I thought, man, that's, that, that's a young spirit. And I love that. I, I absolutely love that. And I actually said to him, I said, that's so good. I said, do you mind if I use that to preach one day? He said, go for it. You know, I asked for permission because I thought that's an incredible story. Because whoever you are, there's going to be moments where you find stuff and you go, oh, I'm not totally comfortable. But what if God is in it? I've seen God in stuff that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And God said to me, Ben, what if I'm in that? And I realized I don't want to miss what God is doing because of my personal comfort. And, and this is the thing that we've got to understand about this. You've got to drop your preference and get into the presence. Do you, do you get that? You've got to drop your preference and get into the presence. Because sometimes people have a preference for how God would work. But that doesn't mean that His presence isn't in it. Do you know, sometimes I reckon people might even talk themselves out of the most miraculous stuff because it doesn't happen the way they thought it should. You know, every time Jesus healed people, do you notice he does it completely different? Like he heals a person's eyes, he heals blindness multiple ways. I think he knew that we had a tendency in our hearts to go straight to the heart of religion. And we would say, well, that's how to heal an eye. You've got to spit in some mud, you rub it together, you smear it on someone's face. That is how you do it. Jesus kept it up. He mixed it up. And he, I think that Jesus mixed it up so that we didn't just find ourselves going after religion. And He said, hey, when you're doing something, if you want to move in the presence of God, sometimes what you need to do is not repeat what you've seen or repeat what you've heard, but listen to what He's saying. Does that make sense? We've got to be a people that listen to what God is actually saying because the wrong boundaries can cause blindness. The wrong boundaries can cause blindness. You know, I tell you, even now, 
God is closer than the hands and feet in this room. He is in this space right now. The entire gospel points to how much God wants to get close to you. How much does God want to get close to you? Enough to send His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who moved from heaven to earth. He was the Word that became flesh, dwelt amongst us, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, paid the penalty for our sins. And why? So that He could be in a position to forgive us so that we could experience the presence of God. That's how hungry He is to be in your life. That's how much He wants to be in your world. You want to experience the reality and the presence of God. He is looking to get into your life. Sometimes we've got to just make sure that we haven't created a boundary so tight that we miss what He's actually wanting to say. Can we do something for a minute? I want you to close your eyes. If you're in this room right now and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, but I'm talking about getting into the presence of God, I'll tell you right now, the only way to get into His presence is to go through the person of Jesus. Jesus is the only one that's paid the penalty for your sins. He stands in a position to say, you're forgiven. If you were in this place and you're like, I don't know who God is, but I want to know who He is. I want to experience the reality of His presence, whether you're in this room right now, maybe you're watching online and you say, I want to know the God that you speak of. I would love to introduce you to Him. And the way that we do that is I invite you to pray a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. And it says, God, I'm not going to keep going the way that I've been going, but I'm going to turn from the life that I'm living. I'm going to turn towards You. I want to seek You, God. I need forgiveness in my life. If I was going to be honest with You, I've made some mistakes. There has been some things that I've done wrong. And Lord, I do want to know You. I want to come close into Your presence. If you are here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you say, I want to know Him right now with all boldness just slip up your hand and say that's me I know I don't know Jesus or I've been far from God but I want to make a decision to follow Him today slip up your hand and say yeah that's me I need to make a decision to follow Jesus I want to get into His presence right now thank you Jesus thank you Lord awesome well here's what we're going to do we're going to pray so that the people that are making that decision right now whether you hear it in the service or maybe you're watching online We're going to pray together so that those people don't have to pray on their own. So I just invite you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you died on the cross for my sin. I receive you today as my Lord and Saviour. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and gave God some praise. So good. Man, we've got to drop our preferences and get into the presence. You know, preferences create boundaries. Boundaries create religion. And religion always destroys the beauty of God. This is what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53. Prophesying of the coming Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It said He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him and no beauty that we should desire Him. No beauty that we should desire Him. How is it possible that Nicodemus, the entire Sanhedrin, Paul, with all of his education, who were all searching for the Messiah, how did they miss Jesus, who was 
His presence was there. He was standing right in front of them. Many of these people spoke directly to Him. How did they miss the presence of God when it was right in front of them? And I'll give you the answer. The truth is, they were so offended. They were offended by what He said. And the moment they were offended, they could no longer even look at Him and see Him as He was. The truth is, they were looking for God in the wrong place. They were completely entrenched in culture and tradition. And because they were entrenched in that, they were looking for all the wrong stuff and they just missed Him when He came. They became spiritually blind to the very thing that they were seeking. And I think we can never let that happen to us. That's why we can't be people that pursue culture and tradition. We read the Word, we're transformed by Him. We go after God and who He is. You know, I, I, I lost my keys to my letterbox. I don't know where they are. Completely lost them. I, I, I bought a letterbox online. It came. I cemented it in and the posties are actually using it, which is good news, except that I can't get any of my letters. They're all in there. And I have a peek in there and I see that some of them look important too. And I think I really need to get to that. And I just don't have a key that will open that letterbox. Yesterday, afternoon I said I am doing this I am finding that key listen I'll tell you I found more keys than I've ever found in my life keys I didn't even know we had not one of them would open that letterbox and so when I was looking for all of the keys uh, I, I came across boxes and I like to be a little bit organized so I've got boxes that are labeled you know this one's got cables in it this one's got this in it that in it right and so all the labels and all the boxes and once I saw how the box was labeled I said well I don't need to look in there because it doesn't say keys on the front if it's the, if that's on the key box then then I'm not even looking there so I didn't look and I just moved on and that's what people do with God sometimes they're pretty certain that God's not there in that that he wouldn't act that way or move in a certain way and because of that they label the box as I don't think so and they never check that box again because once you've labeled it you can really easily tend to ignore it you don't want to mislabel those boxes it happens so when Jesus was alive he said to his disciples hey who do people say I am and his disciples answered him they said well Jesus some have mislabeled you as Elijah others have mislabeled you as uh, Jeremiah or, or or one of the prophets some have mislabeled you as John the Baptist and then he says well who do you say I am and that's the most important question they mislabeled those boxes and for all of those people that mislabeled the box can you imagine they're just going to live this kind of life where they don't they didn't go back and check who he was because as far as they know the very presence of God in the purpose in the person of Jesus was labeled as maybe John the Baptist and they said well we don't think that that's the Messiah and they never went back to check man when you get hungry enough you 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 start to really turn things over in your life you start to maybe broaden the search a little bit. God, I'm seeking you. I, I, I want to know, is this really you? Don't let me be so closed-minded and entrenched in culture and tradition or, or maybe so focused on what makes me comfortable that I miss, God, what you're wanting to do. Lord, I, I just want to seek you. You know, you know what happened? I, <laughs> I was looking so much for those keys. I started to just turn over boxes that were labelled. 
because I need to get my letters, right? So I'm looking at boxes and say, well, it doesn't say, it, it says cables, but just maybe a keys are in there. I'm just going to check again. I'm just going to search again. And it's really sad when some people, even when it comes to their relationship with God, they're devoted, they, they, they know who He is, but they reach a point where they say, I know enough. And they don't go back to seek Him for more or don't go back to search Him for more. And my thought is, what if God has more and people are missing it because they've said, I've got enough. I've seen enough. I know enough. Don't just allow your current revelation of who Jesus is to become the place that you stop. Or you may find yourself standing under a streetlight saying, He's only here. Maybe God has more for you. Maybe, maybe in the season ahead, you, you've mislabeled a box and you said, God would never heal this. God would never answer that prayer. God would never restore my marriage. God would never reach my kids. God would never, God would never. I just don't think. So the moment you label it as that thing, you stop going back to Him for more. You stop seeking Him for more. But what if God does want to heal? What if God does want to prophesy? What if He does want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit? What if He does want to bring your kids back to the Lord? What if He is going to move again? You do not want your hearts to be closed to that thing. And I'll tell you, something right now. If you seek Him, I promise you that you'll find Him. You know why? Because He says, if you seek after me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Listen, it's all about your heart this year. And if you're hungry for the presence of God and you want to seek Him this year, I'd encourage you to maybe take a second look, maybe take off some of the labels that you've had before and say, God, if you're going to move, I'm just open to what you want to do in the season to come. Would you stand to your feet, please? I just want to pray for anyone that's here in this place today that says, God, I want more. I, I don't want to know. I haven't come to the end of my learning about you. I don't want to know just what I already know. I want to know who you really are. I want you to take me deeper into your presence more than I ever have been before. I want you to speak to me through dreams and visions. I've never experienced that. I don't, want, I don't want to come to a place where I feel, God, that you won't heal or touch my life anymore and Lord, I believe that there is more for me. If you believe that God has more for you, why don't you just raise your hands? Father, I pray for everyone who's hungry and says, God, I want more. I'm not willing to settle for where I am in life. I don't wanna be entrenched in the past or culture or tradition. God, I'm after your spirit. I, I, God, I wanna grow into the person that you wanna transform me to become. And I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and touch people fresh in this place today? Let there be a great outpouring of your presence on every single person who's in this room and even at home which they're watching online. Lord, you can touch them from wherever they are. They don't even need to be in this space. But Father, I pray, let there be a fresh outpouring. Let there be a filling up. For those that have said, God, I'm hungry, but I just didn't know how to enter your presence. I pray, God, that their heart would turn for you to you in this moment. Let their hearts be for you. Let them seek you with all of their heart. And as they do, we know, God, that your word never void. It never, it's never void. Father, I pray that they'd be filled fresh and overflowing in Your presence as we seek You this year in Jesus' Name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.